This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. This episode is with Dr. Lindsay Pandia. She is an intuitive psychologist. And in this episode, she shares so much wisdom and, and knowledge on how she helps folks recover from trauma from a spiritual, intuitive, and shamanic approach. And she talks about the success that she has seen with her clients in terms of working through traumatic memories when she incorporates the, these elements. Uh, she's going to share about the chakras and the luminous field, which is also known as your aura. And she will share how traumas and difficulties and wounding can actually impact our, our luminous field. So by addressing uh, our our problems or our difficulties from this perspective, we can actually see healing happen very, very quickly. So it's a fascinating conversation. Please, um, you're more than welcome to share your feedback with me, email me, DM me. I would love to to talk to you more about this. Uh, before we go into the actual episode, I want to share that I started a Patreon and the Patreon is going to be a community for women to come together and we're going to just talk and share and heal together. I'm going to be presenting a different topic every month. Uh, I've shared already on healing the mother wound, reparenting your inner child. And the, for the month of July, I'm going to be talking about inner child and shadow work. And like I said, the goal is for you to dive dive deeper into the topics that we are talking about here in, in the podcast. And this is a space for self-development. There's a space to come together and, and have, a, um, have a community of fellow, fellow women with the shared intention of healing. So I hope that you, you check it out. It's only $10 a month and you get access to past content, including the webinars that I mentioned. And of course, all the future content for you to replay as you need to. The other announcement that I want to make is that I am working on an inner child healing meditation. It's going to be a 10-day challenge to connect with your inner child every day. I've run into some technical issues uh, recording the meditation components of it. So as soon as I get that sorted out, that will be uploaded and it will be completely free for you to participate and and to share with others and join in this challenge to connect every day with our inner child. And I'm going to give a brief disclaimer that although uh, I am a mental health therapist, this episode is not meant to treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. And this episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's the interview with Dr. Lindsay Pandia. Take a listen. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, let's let's dive right in. And for our listeners, for those that don't know about you, can you share a little bit about yourself and the healing work that you do? Yeah, so I'll try to make it as brief as possible, but I've been in the mental health field for over 20 years. And um, up until recently, I've been a psychologist and worked in prison setting. I have worked with um, adults and children with developmental disabilities, lots of um, different populations with trauma and uh, private practice as well. And in the last uh, two years or so, I've been sort of exploring my spiritual practices and developing um, more shamanic tools and have been doing 
like spiritual healing on the side while being a therapist. And I started to realize that there were a lot of like shamanic practices that healed people a lot quicker. And when, when I did mix spirituality in with like regular clients, people were healing a lot faster. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. So um, really spirituality was important what I saw in the last two years to be like a really important piece of healing practices. And when you incorporate the mind, body, and spirit, people were healing a lot quicker, but the last two years, um, the shaman that I was working with was like, you know, you're going to step away from psychology. Right. And I was like, no, I just spent 20 years in this field, a lot of student loan debt. And eventually she was right. I mean, I realized Mm -hmm. that there were just some things about mental health that, while I love it and respect it, there were just some aspects of mental health that just take longer than is necessary and um, just kind of keep you in a smaller box than really looking at the whole person. So that's probably the quickest, dirtiest version of who I am and where I got to today. Yeah, that's so fascinating, you know, that after all these years that somehow you found this the spiritual path, right, that leads to healing also. And, and did it correlate with your own healing? I know for a lot of folks, uh, especially in the mental health, uh, mental health professionals, you know, a lot of us tend to focus on spirituality once we have um, kind of delved into our own healing, our own path. How was it for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I got into mental health originally to like understand people and to like understand the trauma that I had experienced from loved ones. And so at first it was a lot about me healing myself and me um, understanding others so that I didn't take everything so personal. So I definitely did my own therapy over a period of time. And that was helpful to be a better therapist because a, I could know what it was like to be in the other chair and to be like, what is this? And even as I was in therapy, as a therapist, I would still walk in with the same things like, oh my God, what am I going to say today? Um, you know, am I going to walk away feeling really torn up and like sad and depressed afterwards? Like everything that I would hear clients say, I was walking in, even though I knew the whole process, I still would walk in, Mm -hmm. but as it relates to spirituality, um, That kind of really started to kick off in 2009 when I moved to California because I was already a spiritual person. I just didn't have a framework to describe what what spirituality meant for me because everywhere else I'd been, it was religious stuff and I was not a religious person. And I was like, well, that doesn't apply. And then I got here and I met spiritual people and I took, um, I think it was in 2011 or so, I started a certificate program to become a energy healer. And so that was interesting because I was also getting my doctorate in forensic psychology. And I was like, what am I doing here? I am in a very Mm -hmm. strict science program. And now I'm in a very like not science program and simultaneous. So it was like both things were happening at once. And with that opened up um, a lot of different understandings of my own spirituality. I went to a lot of different like healers on a spiritual level. And that kept sort of opening up more and more doors to like interests of that nature. And then when I met my shaman uh, like two and a half years ago now, that was kind of when things took off. And I also got introduced to Jessa Reed's podcast and Karen's podcast and some other folks like that. And all of that sort of combined kind of got me to where I am today. Yeah, that's so fascinating that you were in this like such a structured science-based program at the same time that you were getting all of this insight about the spirit world and getting exposed to that. And and once you, you graduated, you did all that and I'm assuming you went into the, the field, you started working in, in as a psychologist. Yep. And at this point in your career, are you only doing like spiritual healing work or are you combining or is a blend of, of both? Um, right now, currently? Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, March of this year, uh, I stepped away totally from mental health. 
So now oh, it is okay. 100% just um, spiritual based healings mm-hmm. that I do. Okay. And which was scary. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's it, in a way, you know, we're still working with people. And I, I feel that as, as mental health professionals, we're working with the energy, the spirit, the soul of the person, you know, even though we, it's framed in this perspective of evidence-based practices and all, you know, we're still very much working with the, the, the person and, and their soul, you know, it is a very soul-based work. Uh, so some elements of that are very similar to just working with, we're just working with, with people, with, with, with souls and connecting with them at that level. So I'm sure a lot of those skills as a psychologist transfer, but what, what do you say is the, in terms of this, that shamanic perspective that you bring in or that element, how does, how would you say it helps with the healing process? You know, for those folks that are coming to you and have also have trauma or also are dealing with how, how in your experience, how does that healing happen from now from this, this line of work that you do or from this perspective? Yeah, the way that they look at it is just a lot more encapsulated. Like it's not just about this current moment. It's also maybe about past lifetimes, ancestral traumas, um, you know, possible curses and that kind of thing. Um, although I, I, I know some people believe that like curses happen a lot and curse could be as simple as like, you know, you thinking ill about somebody all the way up to like the kind of curse we would think of like in more like, you know, like Oh, may, I don't know if demonic or like just folks that do practices that yeah. are a bit more like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like all the way through that. So, so traumas could happen that way, but traumas are embedded into our, um, our aura or what they will call a luminous energy field, which to me is the same as an aura, but it's like things can get lodged into our body. And if they call it affinities. It's like a shadow side of ourselves or maybe a trauma that happens. And we could have like, like almost like DNA makeup that says this could happen. And then you go do something and it almost like clicks on the, the way it was described is like a icon on your laptop. It's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. But when you go and you open that icon on your desktop and open it up, now all of a sudden this could create traumatic and problematic situations where it's trapped mm. in your energy field. So just talking about it isn't enough. You've got to go in and pull it out from the energy field, from the body, from all three dimensions. And so, um, in fact, a lot of times they say talking about it actually is making mm-hmm. things worse because if let's say there was something sort of like the icon on your desktop, now you start talking about it for six months, a year, you may actually create that into a trauma, into something that now is embedded into your luminous energy field. So that was another reason why I kind of wanted to step away from mental health because the shamanic teachings were when all you do is talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. You're actually not fixing the problem. You're actually creating a bigger problem and you could actually create something that didn't need to be there. Whereas opposed to coming in, we what we do is we bring it to the surface, kind of like EMDR, where you just bring the topic to surface, but you don't go into the story of what's behind it. What's the story I've created around this incident that happened in my life? And you bring it up to the field. We can pull it out through specific shamanic tools and then it's gone. And maybe it takes three sessions to get rid of it as opposed to 30, which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in when you say the luminous field, can you describe a little bit more for those, you know, for those that are not familiar, I, 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 I'm sort of familiar with what you're saying, because I've read some of the books by Cindy Dale, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Cindy Dale, so she uses that term, and then there's another, I think I have his book somewhere around here, um, Oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the name, but I've heard that term before. But I, I, you know, for those out there that are not familiar, how would you describe that? How would you define the luminous field? The way that I understand it, and I could be wrong about this, but the way that I understand it, it would be very similar to the way that a lot of people talk about the aura. So it's that energy that's around the body. It goes Mm -hmm. about six feet around, which was kind of interesting with the whole COVID pandemic that everyone was like six feet away because that's sort of where our energy field lays. And then 
each, each chakra is associated with a layer of that luminous energy field. And so the chakras are the energy centers that help to sort of navigate some of our energy, um, either if it's underactive or overactive, it can create specific problems in somebody's real life physically as well. And so the luminous energy field is just sort of um, the different layers of the, I guess, like protons and electrons and that kind of um, stuff, but it's the energy that's around our body that kind of keeps our physical body mm-hmm. in one space and then the energy around it outside of it. So it's like, you might be standing there and somebody's behind you and they walk into your field and you don't know that, but you can sense it because there's all this other information kind of floating around that's outside of our physical body that we can see. Got it. So when it comes to trauma, you know, from this perspective, trauma, it gets stuck in our, in our luminous field. Yep. Okay. Okay. So is there, you know, from a shamanic perspective, um, is there a, 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 do you dif- differentiate between something that's what we would call more complex trauma, trauma that happened very early in life or very, you know, the first few years of life versus a, a single incident that happened later? You know, does it, does it look different? Is, is the attachment in your aura different? Yeah, definitely 100%. If something is like, like multiple traumas over and over and over and over again, whether in this lifetime or this lifetime and other lifetimes definitely is a different complexity. It's harder to pull out. Like, like if something was like, say somebody got into a car accident and they were traumatized by that and they went to a shamanic practitioner, it might only take one session to kind of pull that out. The person can move along and they're okay. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't really bother me anymore. Whereas if somebody was like emotionally abused all their childhood, and then they get into a relationship with people that are abusive, that one's going to be a lot harder to pull out, but definitely not impossible. Just won't take 10 years, you know, take maybe five sessions or, um, you know, sessions with homework in between where they have to like, you know, reintegrate other parts of themselves into their practice or connecting into their spirituality or that kind of thing. That's, that's so interesting. You know, when I, I, what comes to mind right now is I, I, I remember doing a shamanic um, journeying or practice with someone and it's, and it's interesting because I do, I talk a lot about inner child work. And one of the things that came up in the shamanic um, healing that I was doing was the, the me, you know, my, my inner child, you know, so, and for what I've understood is that there are a lot of these parts of our soul get lost almost yep. you know, get splintered off in yep. in and, and, and gets stuck in a different um you know get stuck in the in, in like we're not complete you know with traumas like our soul or or I, the luminous field is like it's missing a part and it's almost like you have to go back and retrieve it it was yes. that okay so I, exactly so I did it. I did that once and it was it was for me it was very powerful I kind of went in not really having a specific issue that I wanted to work on and I was just open to see what comes up and, and you know something in something did come up that I had not thought about in a very long time so I always thought that was so interesting how in mental health we talk about inner child and inevitably for a lot of folks that I've talked to too in my own experience that concept of the inner child comes up naturally when is that something that your clients have experienced or that you've noticed too that the inner child or that the the visual of that is also very dominant when you journey through a shamanic healing yeah that's actually one of the services that I offer and the and the one that I love because I'm like wow this is in both you know, shamanic practices, which is soul retrieval. That's exactly what you're talking about Mm. is retrieving that part of your soul that was lost because the reality is that was a protective mechanism for your soul in that moment for somebody that experienced a a trauma, especially like young in age. It's like that has to splinter off as a protective mechanism to keep the person here, maybe even alive to, cause you can't exactly like tell your parents, Hey, I'm four, I'm out, you know, we can't do that. So the soul will say, 
I'm out. And then it's our, you know, as, as healers, whatever version of healers is to bring that soul back. But I loved inner child work because it Mm -hmm. crosses both barriers with mental health and also with the shamanic practices. And what's cool is, is probably a very similar thing as to what you experienced in your inner child work was, you know, I'll take somebody through a guided meditation and we will go and find it. And we have certain power animals that we can call upon to help us find that piece of ourselves, pull it back in, invite it back in, give it its safe space so that the soul can come back in. But then we have to create the container after that session to make sure that the soul doesn't go, yeah, no, she still isn't like, you know, hooking it up. She's still not protecting me. But so it's like, we retrieve it in, call it back into ourselves find the healing because this is the other beautiful thing about shamanic work is everything good, bad, and everything in between is a lesson to learn. So the point is we go in, we find that piece of ourselves as that child that was hurt, learn the lesson. What was that? What was that experience trying to teach us? And when we can learn the lesson, integrate it back in, do the work, you know, after the session to say, this this is a safe space for you now then that healing is actually effective. And it's like, you don't need to like, if the memory comes back up, it's not going to be re-traumatizing. It's going to be, oh, that happened to me. Not, oh my God, that was awful. Wow. Such a victim. Like this is the worst thing ever. It's like, oh no, that really sucked, but this is what I learned. And so, okay, I have a different perspective. And that's the whole point of shamanism is a different, higher perspective Mm. about everything. And that goes right, you know, just in the work that I do with working with um, or helping folks recover from trauma is that reintegration of of their past experiences is not that you forget or that, you know, it's basically being able to to bring it to to stitch it back into the sequence of your life, you know, I like to give the visual of, of the of a book and the traumas or trauma that happens like this loose page and and part of healing is stitching you know that page back into your your book of life you know and, and that's part of the healing uh, so it's interesting how it's is very similar even with parts work or internal family systems a lot of what happens is reconnecting with those parts that are that were wounded that were hurt and feel that need to stay on alert or be protective or come to the rescue and so it's very it's a very uh, very there's a lot of correlation there a lot of parallels yeah and that was the crazy part too was when I was doing private practice for those two years while I was um, like apprenticing with the shamanic work I was like we're all saying the same thing this is literally like Mm. just different words and so it was like I was I was tapping into this new spiritual knowledge and then talking to a client. And I would just like in my head, start translating the spiritual concepts into like the 3d, like, Oh, this is just CBT or this is, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, and so it was, I just see so many parallels with the same. We're just saying the same stuff. We might look at it a little different or do it a little different, but we're all healers. And the, the, the term shaman just means healer. And so whether you're in mental health or you call yourself a shaman or everything in between, everyone is a shaman. So everything you're describing means you're also a shaman. Yeah. And do you consider yourself, even prior to doing this work, have you always been um, just very um, sensitive or empathic, intuitive? Is this something that just has been with you for a very long time? Yeah, it has. Like at first, obviously as a kid, I didn't understand that that was what was going on. And it wasn't until I think one of my ex-boyfriends gave me the book, Highly Sensitive Person. And I was like, oh, there's like, I like, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. There's a name for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then as I became spiritual and then the empath word and um, intuitive and psychic and all those words were thrown around, I was like, oh, Oh, well, I guess, yeah, that's been, and I think that we're all born that way. It's just that in some families and some cultures, it's just way more accepted and that's part and, and for others it's not. And so it's like a re remembering that you already are intuitive and you are empathic, but yeah, some people on the spectrum are way closer to empath than say the other side of the spectrum, which I think is more of like 
the narcissistic might mm. be on the opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, I feel that a lot of people that are more empathic or empaths and intuitive do go into some form of healing profession. Um, And a lot of us, and I I say us because I'm still very much of it. A lot of us end up feeling burned out with that compassion fatigue. And just through my own life experience and what I've learned for myself and my own healing, I, and, I, and I'm curious to see what you think about this. I, I feel that is because we weren't really taught how to protect our energy going into these spaces where we're dealing with, it's not just talk therapy, you know, even if we're to just talking, engaging with someone else's soul, you know, the aura, our, we're connecting in, in a very deep way. That's part of being empathic, right? Having an empathic response. And they teach you all about empathic responses and, you know, ch- you know being able to go with, with hunches, cl- you know, those clinical intuitive hunches. Um, and we're not taught how to, how to really resist preserve or protect our own energy so we're not taking on because we are a lot of us are empathic and are intuitive and open we're so open right to helping that we end up taking it all as our own right and so I, I feel that you know for me learning to to do that I mean I'm talking about just in the more recent years has been critical to me being able to continue on in this path in this career I don't know how, how what are your what is your take on that on our just preserving our energy as as helpers healers therapists I have so many thoughts hopefully I can get them all distinctly <laughs> but yeah, yeah 100% I think that um I mean, I hate to use like alls and, and always and all that, but I would, I would guess that the highest majority of us are all empaths Mm -hmm. and that we all are, are called to be, um, to be healers in whatever way, because we can feel so deeply somebody else's pain. And we go, I don't want anyone else to feel that. And if there's even an ounce that I could take away from another human, it's worth it. Right. And so, um, Unfortunately, I think one of the biggest problems is though in the mental health field specifically, we are, the system isn't set up to support an empath because empath, you would definitely have to have good boundaries. You have to, I mean, I had, that was one of the things that I had to learn, um, you know, one with working in the prison that I worked at and then two with the private practice. Cause I was like, oh, I don't have paid time off anymore. I don't have the luxury to burn out. If I burn out, then I don't work and I don't work. I don't get paid. Um, and so it was like clear boundaries that like I had to set up certain things where after I saw somebody, maybe I ding a bell and just clear that energy for that moment. Or I shake my body and go, okay, this, whatever that was, isn't mine right now. That's not mine to deal with. The second I walk out of the door or back in the day when we all had commutes, the commute would be the, the signal that my, my work day is over and now I'm going into being Lindsay in this moment. So we definitely have to have really good boundaries, really good self-care, but the problem I would say too, is that the way that mental health is set up is we have to see a lot of people, you know, to, to make a living. Mm -hmm. We could see five people in a week, but we're not going to pay our student loans. We're not going to be able to take care of our family, pay our bills, all that kind of stuff. So the reality is though, if as empaths and healers, we could actually see, say like 10 people in a week, maybe we wouldn't be burnt out. So maybe we would actually be okay, but in alarming numbers, as I've told people that I've stepped away from mental health, a lot of my mental health friends, all that I've told so far, every single one has said either I want to be out or I'm going to be out because everyone is just burnt out and don't want to do it anymore. Absolutely. It's the same. I think um, most of my colleagues, people in my you know, that I talk to that are, I consider not just colleagues, but friends, we all feel the same way, you know, just because like you said, the volume, it, it has, it has to do with the amount of people that we see, but like you said, to make it sustainable, um, there's a certain, you know, we do have to have a certain amount of clients. Otherwise, you know, we, 
you know, we, like you said, we can't, you know, we can't pay our bills. So it is very, um, it is very difficult because I think most of us have a calling to want to help, but at the same time, um, when we are not mindful of everything that we're taking in energetically, um, we get mentally and physically sick. I mean, how many people at some point just can no longer work? You know, they go on extended medical leaves and and once they're off they realize how much they have to detox you know from what what, what they were carrying that wasn't their own and one thing that I learned about uh, Cindy Dale who, who's the, the lady that I mentioned earlier she talks a lot about how we can't process energy that is not our own so when we are taking on energy from folks when we're in, especially in this profession or in in when we're working with people in this in such a deep when we're doing such deep work with folks and we take on their energy or we're processing those emotions you know we take it on we actually cannot process what's not ours we have to be able to to work through some of these spiritual practices that you described to be able to release it yeah so we're not digesting we're not processing it with for ourselves we have to actually release that and that's the part that I just learned, <laughs> you know, and I've been in this field also like you for many, many years. And it's like, wow, no wonder it's so hard to be, to yeah. as much, as much as yoga and meditation and physical activity that you do. It still feels like I'm, catch, I'm, I'm still catching up, you know, so I still, it yeah. doesn't feel like enough. It's because, you know, I'm, I'm probably still digesting or trying to process energy that's, uh, or difficulties that are not mine energetically. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you just have to let it go and have a practice to to do that. And each person, it'll be different. Mm-hmm. You know, like it can simply be like opening your root chakra and imagining all that just like melting away like an ice cube and just letting it go out of the bottom of your feet and just say, this isn't mine anymore. It was never mine to begin with. I don't need to hold on to this person's trauma. It doesn't help them us holding on to it in any fashion doesn't actually heal them mm-hmm. at all. And we don't get taught that in school. We just don't. And that's sad that like, there isn't more emphasis on like how to care for ourselves. It, they may say, Oh, you need to do self-care. And maybe if you have a good supervisor or, or, you know, colleagues, you'll talk about that and learn. But a lot of times we aren't taught that. No, no. And, and it is, I mean, it is critical for everyone, right? But especially when you're working with, with others, um, energies and, and especially emotional and energies and traumas and mental health issues, like it, it, it's, it's heavy stuff, right? This is yeah. heavy, ener- energetically heavy things that, um, that we can, without the intention of just it they attach to us you know would you say that they attach to our our luminous field like if we're not doing the the proper work to release it to let it go or to just self-care what do you say that these elements can attach to our our aura our luminous field So I'd say it's a couple of different things. One is we could create courting between our clients. So if we see 20, 40 plus people in a week and we don't have this good boundary or way to like, let it go, we can create an energetic cord between the two people. So kind of like we talk about with like partners or like family members in the spiritual community about having a courting, we can do that with our clients. And so if you're thinking about your client after the session, if they're on your mind a lot, most likely there's an energetic cord between the two of you. So it's like, you gotta cut it. Yeah. So that's one. Um, Then I had a second one and now I forgot it. It'll come back to me randomly in the middle of something else. No, but that, that's so, that's so interesting. I mean, because how many, I mean, I know that not, I don't think about all my clients, but um, there are a few that I tend to think about and it's not because they're more difficult or because they have more difficulties. It actually tends to be those that I, that I, that I would say that I have a really good, good rapport, good connection. We're doing really good work. Um, I, you know, it, it, and there may not be the, the most, you know, like their situation might not be the most complex, but we have a, we have a good working relationship. Yeah. 
So I could see that concept of courting because we've established that emotion. It's not, you know, it's an emotional dynamic that gets established, right? As, as, as a therapist and, and client. Um, so that's fascinating, you know, to, yeah. to, to realize that you can form cords, energetic yeah. cords. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's another thing. Like we can have courting isn't always just negative. So like you said, these courtings may be happening with some of the clients that you really enjoy. Yeah. Um, for, at least for me. <laughs> yeah. For me. Yeah. I mean, if, for those, cause you know, we always have those, those clients that, you know, they're just a little bit heavier to work with. Um, maybe personality wise, it's not a good match, but you, you know, you continue seeing them, you know, for, for me, those are not as difficult to let go I can let go of, of those for me well, just in, in, in what you said like if I think about them I tend to think yeah. of the ones that I like yeah. <laughs> the ones that I have like a fond you know like I think highly of I, I feel that they're done really good you know for themselves and whatever you know the progress of their healing or just them as an individual or they accomplish a goal and I feel yeah. happy for them those are the ones that I would say I have a cord now, <laughs> now I have a, yeah. a, a wording for that that's so yeah and when you do any sort of cord cutting with your client um they say that like whenever you cut a cord if there's a healthy cording to that person that won't go away so when we cut cords, only the part of the cord that is toxic, unhealthy, that mm. will go away. And okay. so maybe if you cut cords, even if you just played with the concept with one client to just see what ends up happening, maybe you don't think about them as much, but maybe it makes your sessions with them even better because there's something like not draining you, or maybe your energy is, is better because even though it's a positive experience with them, maybe there's still like some energy that's being, you know, pulled from one or the other. So it's always something fun to play with. Every time I've cut cords with people in my life, there's always usually something that I can see out in the, like, in the, you know, real world where either like, if it's say, um, a friend or a family member where it's like, I know that this is toxic and I'm like, eh, see ya. And then like three hours later, they text me and I'm like, I haven't heard from you in like four months. And now, you, and it's like, oh yeah, I cut the cord. You felt that that wasn't a connection we have anymore that I'm not letting you in in that way. But always the cords that are like, like on a spiritual level, healthy for both people, those will always stay. So it's like, we can cut cords and know that we're not going to like say a, a parent child. If you cut a cord with your parent, you're not cutting them out of your life. You're just cutting out the, the parts that are no longer healthy, keeping the ones that are healthy for you too. So. Okay. So interesting. And it all has to do with setting that intention, right? Setting the intention within yourself to to cut those, those cords that are not helpful to you or to them. Cause I could imagine it's also yeah. not good for them to, to have that cord with us. No, right? no. A, even as a client. Yeah, exactly. And on my website, there's um, like a short video where I walk people through the shamanic practice of cord cutting. There's a lot of things that you can find online. You can do an online five minute meditation there's a lot of different ways to cut cords. It can be as simple as, like you said, just setting the intention, maybe in your mind, visualizing like a pair of scissors and cutting it. But when I've done the shamanic way, it is a lot more effective and a lot quicker than say some of the other ones that I've tried. So that's um, some free options of ways to figure out how to cut cords. But almost everything when it comes to spirituality is about intention more than it is about like um, specific, like step-by-step -step process of getting it right. Right. Yeah. That's one thing. That's the difference with that, with the shamanic perspective, right? Is that your intention, your, your decision to, to work towards a specific difficulty is what starts that healing process. Yeah. The other thing I did finally remember what number two was, and oh. this might be a little out there, <laughs> oh, but no, you're okay. um, the other thing that can happen when we work with people is if they have attachments themselves on them, which most of us do, mm -hmm. I mean, we've got to be pretty locked in to like not have any attachments ever, but an attachment could literally be like a thought form, a belief that, you know, a lot of our clients and, and we have about ourselves can create an attachment, but these attachments can go from our client onto us as healers because we are open, because usually we are 
um, seen as like a helpful energy. Mm -hmm. And so if the client has an attachment on them, it could jump to us. So that is another way in which um, things can be a little bit difficult and drain us and make us want to stop doing this work. Cause it's like, well, if you're picking up, you know, not only just on a mental level, listening to what, you know, the traumas are holding it energetically, but then the additional um, aspect of any, anything that's on them could then jump to us. If our um, like spiritual protections are not, uh, you know, pretty locked in. Yeah. You know, when you said the word attachment, what came to mind was uh, more, but the way you described it wasn't like that, but I, I, what I thought about was, you know, in, in like when someone is possessed, Mm -hmm. we always think of possession, like this extreme, like, you know, like the exorcist type of level. Right. But um, when, when you say the word attachment, that's, I think of a lesser, it's not necessarily the uh, full-on um, demonic, uh, right? Exactly. You know what I mean, right? It's like a, it's like an oppression. It's like a, something that gets attached to you, and it could feel very heavy. It could be very draining. It can not let you sleep. And I and the reason why I came across some of this literature is because I was read. I think I was reading something related to spirituality and healing from trauma. And and I came in one of my friends. It was during a period of time. It didn't come all at once, but it was over a period of time. And my friend was. I was talking to her about this. She's like, you know what? This reminds me of a book that's that was written by a priest, and he talks about oppressions that are a forms of attachments. So I've read certain parts of it um, because honestly, I get scared with some of that, that in literature. It's for me, it's still very scary. Um, so I read a little bit enough to, to, to read. Uh, he was talking about certain prayers and certain things that you can repeat to yourself to release some of these attachments. Yeah. But it's kind of what you were saying with these, uh, these systems with with the, from a shamanic perspective is to, to set the intention to release to, to yes. and let go of some of these attachments sorry I went kind of dark but no, when you said the, the word attachment that's what came to mind is yeah. is from from that perspective too right that things can attach to you dark entities too right especially for those yeah. folks that are uh exposed to a lot of negativity um yeah. just very dark things you know think like, about Yeah. Think about this. We've let's say we've got a depressed person, right? So they um, are already not feeling well physically, emotionally, spiritually. If there's say an earthbound spirit, which we would maybe call like a ghost Mm -hmm. or um, an attachment that's, that's just, you know, not visually perceptive, but in the spirit realm, it might see that depressed person and go, cool. That's an easy one. We just log on and we're just good to go. Wow. That's so fascinating. Yeah. And we see a lot of these folks. um, And then they say, Oh, look at that person. They have more energy. They have more light, right? Because we are a bit more vibrant because God, let's hope that we're not that level of depressed. We might have moments where we're that level of depressed working with somebody, but they're going to see us energetically and go, they have more energy that I can take. Let me jump over. And now we start getting drained. Now we start getting depressed. Maybe our personality starts changing a little bit. Mm. We start acting different, irritable. And we're like, where is this coming from? Right? So this is where it's really important that every single human knows ourselves, does this self-exploration, whether it's through traditional therapy, um, shamanic healing and everything in between. If we know who we are, and we've really cleaned up as much as we can in our traumas, A, they're not going to be able to get in as much because we've, we know our shadows, we know our, you know, our areas of weakness, but we also know ourselves so much that if we start to change our personalities or we start to get drained, we go, well, that's not like me. Nothing changed with my diet or my sleep, or I'm still hanging out with the same people and all this stuff, nothing has changed. Oh, in fact, I, this was probably the trippiest experience that I've ever had with a mm-hmm. client. And this was well before I knew that I was psychic, but I was seeing mm-hmm. somebody who at the time I didn't know was suicidal. But every time I drove home from work on this particular day, this random flash of me just driving my car off the road flashed in and I'm like, I'm not suicidal. I'm, 
I've got a good life. Nothing's going on. I haven't felt suicidal since I was a little girl. Like this is weird, but I didn't know any different. Flash to several months later. And again, I didn't know this pattern. It just was a random occurrence. But several months later, she says to me, oh, I actually have been thinking about taking my life. And then all of a sudden it clicked and I'm like, oh, Mm. that's why I've been thinking of suicide when I drive home on this particular day, when I see her, she was the one suicidal, not me, but that carried into my energy field because, because she felt that way and she thought that way. And so that was, if I don't think the whole thing came and jumped onto me, but I think that a piece or fraction of that was, was coming to me and going, Oh, let's go for a ride. Yeah. We're going to, that was wild. That's yeah, that's crazy. But you know, it, it happens. So, I mean, not to that level, but even, you know, for me, what, what I've experienced is uh, I'm fine. Like I, I, let's say I, I, I just had coffee. I have energy. I'm in a good mood. Um, and this was prior to me having this awareness of energy and that I'm an empath and, you know, all of this, uh, I would be fine. And all of a sudden I would get so sleepy and I would just be so tired. I'm like, I just had coffee. I was in a good mood and I'm expecting a certain person, a certain client to come in, let's say 1030, you know, and it's like, okay, they come in and it's like this heavy energy they've had. It's like, I, I was already anticipating yeah. that yeah. energy. Yeah. Cause I was, and, and that would happen to me so much. And it wasn't until it, or the opposite, I would feel so irritable. And I was like, why am I getting like, all of a sudden I would just feel like annoyed, irritable. Like if someone like, let's say, you know, my husband would text me, I would like stab at him through a text or like, <laughs> like, what is going on? And so it took me a bit to connect, you know, that, and to realize, like you, you mentioned that you're psychic. I don't, I don't, I call myself like intuitive, like, you know, I, to realize how intuitive and empathic I really am that I'm actually anticipating this. And it maybe is because I have a working relationship with these folks. We've, I know them personally, I care about them, that I was already anticipating their mood without them being there. I don't know. And it, it was usually negative. Yeah. It was usually when they were either just drained, sad, angry those are the emotions that I I I noticed I was picking up and once I realized again the power of awareness right now I mean in the more recent years that I've realized this it's been you're able to do something about it right you can't necessarily control all you know what you can feel and experience but you can not let it impact you the same way when you know when you know it (laughs) Yeah. And just by knowing it is huge because you could like go, Oh, wow. All of a sudden I'm irritable and this doesn't make sense. And then you go and you see your client you go, Oh yeah, I'm tapped into you. Yep. Yep. I'm already feeling your energy. And, and again, this is just information for the healer to have to go. If you're feeling irritable, be like, Oh, there probably is going to be one or maybe a couple people that I see today that may be feeling irritable okay, this isn't me. And even by that recognition could make it go away. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just being just the power of awareness, right. And then setting that intention deliberately saying out loud, it's, it's almost going back to what you said is like, you know, who you are, right. You know yourself. So you're able to, to, to manage it. And so it doesn't take over. It doesn't um, make you question it's almost like it like it can't gaslight you like no it can't I, I like all of a sudden I'm angry it's like why am I you know it's not me and to be able to realize this is not me this is coming from you know x y and z and that in and of itself is, is is powerful and that is probably one of the best tools that we can use when it comes to attachments in general whatever version of attachment people agree with or believe in is the second you think or feel like you have something like that going on, whether it's because you're with a client or just because you feel off and you're like, this doesn't make sense, stand in your power and say your name out loud and that anything anything outside of you is not welcome. And you just say it over and over and over again. And you know, by say, I'm hoping by the fifth to 10th time that you've said it, you feel that energetic shift because there is spiritual law that every, um, everything has to abide by. And the spiritual law is 
you can't mess with humans. You cannot mess with light workers. And the second that a light worker tells you to get out or a human tells you to get out, you got to go. And so aside from like the very few, like, you know, paranormal Karen kind of stuff, you're good. It's yeah. going to, it's going to have to go away. And you're going to feel Absolutely. that shift that like, just like, Oh, I can breathe again for a moment or, Oh, I feel, I feel okay again. So it's the simplest thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know when a friend of mine who does Reiki and she's an energy worker, she told me to, to start my day before, before I see my first uh, client to start my day by saying something to, to the effect of I am protected across all time and space, anything or anyone that is not safe for, for my mind, for my heart, for my spirit is not welcome with, within my, uh, you can say within 2000 feet from me, you know, you could, you specify like that. And, and in that, then you just say, amen, or so it is. And I've done that. And, and I trust that anyone or anything that does come through for me um, in person or otherwise is, is okay. It's safe. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, so I've learned that, and that's been also uh, a game changer <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That is it's, absolutely perfect. It's a way to, like you said, we don't learn this in school. We don't learn how to protect our energy, and we're energy. <laughs> like, you can't deny that, yeah. right? It's like you can believe in, in in that or not, but it's like the law of gravity is going to happen. Yeah, regardless <laughs> of happens, beliefs. <laughs> and that, that is cool yeah. that like science is starting to catch up with a lot of these spiritual concepts. So um, it is starting to legitimize a lot of what some folks and some indig indigenous cultures have been saying for yeah. you know thousands and thousands upon years that that you know other cultures they're like yeah no kidding this is all energy. I mean think about um, you know, India and China and Japan. And it's like, all of these concepts have already been around and have already proven to be effective healing modalities. It's just the Western culture where we're like, yeah, but if you can't measure it according to these specific scientific things, then it's not real. And it's like, it is real. We just haven't learned how to measure it yet. It is real. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there just hasn't, there's been, there's even for indigenous uh, communities here in the Americas and Mesoamerica, you know, the research hasn't been provided so to, to for it to become mainstream there's been tons of research in yoga and Chinese medicine but yeah. not a lot has been shown to prove how some indigenous practices healing practices are also very effective just like yoga and other um, yeah. other spiritual uh, practices from from the east uh, and I, I are you familiar with Villarpoldo mm -hmm. his last name is Villa Okay, I mean, I can't remember his brain. Anyways, he, 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 he wrote, he has like 30 books on his, um, his work with, with, with Mayan communities in, in Central America and in parts of South America. And he, he talks about this because he's actually a trained um, archaeologist. Hmm. And so he started studying these cultures from that perspective from, I, I think it's a, he calls himself a physical or biological archaeologist. I'm probably saying it wrong, but <laughs> but he he started studying this from that perspective, and then of course he was he he started participating. He started you know, and over the years, 20, 30 years, he just he he's just in it. You know, he's a, he's part of these communities, so he's written some books and shared some of this wisdom. And it's just fascinating to to see, like you said, how this is something that has that is in, embedded in so many indigenous cultures all over the world and we're just catching up to that you know barely yeah. touching the surface of everything that's out there for for our benefit for you know for humanity yeah luckily i mean there is interest now thank god right that there is some interest i just the concern is like it takes so long for science to catch up with a lot of this stuff and with the way that the world has been and the way that we need humans to be, it's like, we might not be able to wait for science to catch up to say, yes, this is legitimate. But the last couple of years with this pandemic, a lot of people have been waking up spiritually to go, wait, there's more than, than meets the eye. Yes, this is real, right? Everything, it, this is real, but there's also something that's, that's outside of our 
five senses is also real. And so I, I have a feeling that we may just go, okay, we're okay with the comfort of maybe it's not provable in this exact moment to keep moving forward as a society to say, we can't ignore the spirit anymore. Earth won't let us. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you for that, for that message. And before we, we wrap um, our set or our podcast for today, do you have any, any books or any, any, anything that you recommend for folks that would let would love to learn more about this or learn more about shamanic healing practices? Yeah, um, I have a couple of authors. So for shamanic healing practices, Alberto Viardo is who my shaman learned from. He um, studied with the Peruvian um, shamans. And so any book by him is really, really good. I've read a couple, I think one of them now. I've like put my books away, but Alberto Viardo is great. And so he has a lot of books about shamanism, about um, living a healthy life based on shamanic principles. So there's like this book, uh, some, the word bodies in the title is, I should have had that title in front of me. Oh, no so worries. he's what a great is his one. name? I'll look Albert, it up. Alberto Viardo. Okay. And then, um, so he's a great one. Michael Harner is another really good one. That's where, where else she studied was with Michael Harner. Um, So he's got some books about shamanism. Ah, grow a new body. That is it. That's the Alberto Viardo one is behind me. I was like, I know I have it all right here. Um, So, so those are two really good authors for shamanism. And then like for trauma, just in general, I think, um, oh, of course, why am I blanking on his name? I'm sure you'll, you'll like laugh at me that I forgot his name. Uh, Peter Levine. There it is. I think his books Mm -hmm. are incredible. His teachings are incredible because it talks a lot about the body and I don't know if he calls himself spiritual, but you can just tell by the way he writes and the way that he teaches he sounds very spiritual. So if he doesn't know he's spiritual, he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah, it's definitely embedded in what he does. The body keeps the score is the next mm-hmm. one that I think is a really good one. And I think that's uh, James Vanderkolk or it's something. Yeah, Vanderkolk. Vanderkolk. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Vessel Vanderkolk. Yeah. Fest- okay. Vessel, that's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know why James. I think James <laughs> Vanderbeek okay. maybe came to my head. I don't know why. Yeah, he has a unique name. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you for the for for those uh, books and the recommendations, and thank you so much for sharing your your wisdom, your knowledge with with the, the folks here at, that listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for your time. And how can you know for those that would love to know more about you and the work that you do? How can they find you? Um, my website is intuitivepsych.com and that's spelled P-S-Y-C-H because I tried the intuitive psychologist and that's just way too many letters. And I was like, let me just make it simple. So intuitivepsych.com. Um, my Instagram is intuitive underscore psych underscore one, one, one. And those are probably the two best ways to just see what I'm about. Um, kind of if, if somebody wants to look at that uh, cord cutting video. It's under, I think resources on my webpage. So it's free. You can look at it at any time and do it as many times as you want. And, uh, yeah, if there's any questions or anything, people can just reach out to me in either way. And I'd love to Wonderful. answer questions or, you know, yeah. Open anyway. you, you also have a podcast. I do. Yeah. So do. tell us a little bit about what your podcast is about. Um, it's about bridging the gap between spirituality and mental health. So a lot of this stuff where I kind of look at how all these different concepts in mental health are almost identical to spirituality and a little bit too about my own personal journey in my life to both with mental health, with spirituality, and then both combined. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again for joining us. And I hope to have you soon so we can continue again, so we can continue this conversation. Honestly, this is a topic that I'm just so fascinated by. And I love just reading about it, learning about it, just, just for fun. (laughs) You know, I just, I, I find it fun to, to learn about all this. So thank you. It's fascinating. It's like kids again and get to just play. Cause that's part of this Mm. excitement is like, 
healing can be playful. Healing doesn't have to be re-suffering or suffering. I love that. Healing can be in a playful way. So when mm-hmm. we actually cannot take ourselves as serious and play and just explore and get curious with ourselves and with our clients, it just makes it so much more mm-hmm. fun for everyone around. And healing really can just take off because it's like, ah, you know, you just like ease into it as opposed to like, you know, clenched up and like, Oh my God, this is going to be painful. It's like, it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't need to be is the underlying message is learning, healing growth does not have to be through suffering. We have another choice. Now, when we ignore that and we don't take the fun, you know, easy way, then yeah, life and God or whatever we want to call outside of us is going to, you know, add more suffering to be like, Hey, can you, can you wake up? Can you try this? So yeah, it's fun. I really appreciate you having me on and letting me talk about yes, this stuff. And of course, no, thank yeah. you for your time. And I hope to, to talk to you soon. Me too. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.